Welcome to another episode of This Week with Sabir. In today's hot seat, I have a phenomenal, phenomenal guest, uh, Stu Heinick. He is the author of a new book releasing May 2022, so it's a couple of months from now, on business growth strategy as inspired by weeds. Years ago, as he drove the Santa Monica freeway in Los Angeles, Heinick uh, noticed a dandelion growing from a crack in the concrete median that set in motion a 30-year fascination and study of how weeds grow, expand, dominate, and defend their turf, and how uh, any of that might translate to useful growth strategy to for entrepreneurs. The result is Heineck's uh, upcoming book, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. But more importantly, I mean, he, he has a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, resume and background uh, in, in this. Today's topic that we will be t tackling would be actually, I'm gonna let me flash this on the screen so more people can see it. Uh, it's called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. Uh, and this is more about, and and by the way, uh, Stu, welcome to the show. And thank you. thank you for sending me my own personal copy of, of the book. <laughs> by the way, Stu, thank you for that. This book goes up right next to Stephen Covey's books that I have, and I keep repeat, repeat reading it. Wow. So this is gonna be phenomenal for me. Wow. Stu, so, so just kind of uh, set you up a little bit. My background in for, for 25 years, has been the, all the growth and success I've had across many, many brands, phenomenal brands, not small brands, gigantic brands, startup brands, Shark Tank, Shark Tank brands. I'm involved with that show also. So it's um, it's all of those things. And and when you think about e-commerce, when I started reading your book, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a, a frank, honest uh, uh, opinion of the beginning of, of my reading, right? Well, like, Oh, this guy hates technology. He's gonna tell me to pick up the phone and do it old school and stuff. You know, it's contact marketing and, you know, but I was pleasantly surprised. Like, you know, after a couple of chapters, it, it's the whole. It, it's every aspect of contact marketing, not just. It's not anti-social or anti-tech kind of a book. It's 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 more holistic and whatever works. So we will definitely dive into that. But number one. And this is, and and I, I think your family would appreciate this. How did you meet your wife? <laughs> well, it was probably the best meeting I've ever had. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I have a hard time shortening this this story because it's a long story. But growing up, I I was enamored with the, the beautiful blonde Scandinavian women that I imagined were in Scandinavia, but I'd never been there. And I thought, you know, um, I, when I and I, I thought, you know, I want to meet someone like that. that's who I want to marry. I want to meet someone like that. And so, um, uh, it was kind of a high school, <clears throat> high school fantasy. And then, you know, about a dozen years later, there I was in Beverly Hills with my little business going. And I, I think, you know, what, what's next? I, I'm going to make a film out of that. I want to <laughs> make a film. So I, I hired uh, the screenwriter who wrote the original Pink Panther screenplay. Um, and we did a story treatment together. But the next step was I was supposed to, I, I was due to go out to, I'd never even been to Europe. So I needed to go there with my video camera and get footage of the place and the people and maybe interview some some actresses or models or something. But I didn't know what I was doing because I don't make films, but that's what I needed to do. That's that's what I wanted to do. Well, so I was booked to go out to, to Stockholm and about a month before I was set to leave, I saw this picture in a magazine and I just said, oh my God. You know, I was going on that fantasy for real. This is the girl I would bring home. 
And, um, and I'm going to shorten the story really a lot. I'm just going to say, well, that she ended up being my wife. I went, I met her through the magazine and then, the, and then her photographer and I flew to Copenhagen instead. And, um, and we met and it was, we, oh my God, it was just, we just had the most amazing day together. But it all, it all, you know what, really, really, it's a lot like the rest of what we're going to talk about. You have to be audacious if you're going to meet people that can change everything about, let's say, the scale of your life. Because my wife did change the scale of my life. But, but I mean, in business and in our careers, in our sales careers, we're looking for the, we're looking to connect with the, with the accounts that can change the scale of our, of our careers. And, and if we own businesses, same thing, we're looking for the kinds of accounts, the kinds of allies and investors and so forth, who can change the scale of everything. And you can't do that if you're being mousy. Does that make sense? Completely, completely. Yeah. I mean, big, big audacious goals, right? Uh, and then, and and have a mindset of executing with a with tactically, like exactly what you want to do. Do step one, then step two, then step three, and everything is going to start falling into place. You know, it, yeah. and learn from it. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to be perfect. You know, there's also obviously a, a, an element of serendipity in all this because you know we're 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 reaching out to someone else. We don't know what their reaction is going to be, but we're reaching out to someone else, and we hope that we're going to have the kind of reaction or response that 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 we want. But you know, everyone's different, so you you also have to just sort of ride with the flow. I mean, when I went out, I'll just mention this one more time that when I went out and met uh, Charlotte in Copenhagen, I didn't know what was going to happen. It was kind of a silly thing to do, actually, but I, mm -hmm. I couldn't resist. I had to do it. And and it, it's, obviously it worked out well, but, you know, you just got to ride with it. So be audacious, take a lot of chances, be creative. Or That's kind of a hard thing. To, that's like be funny or something. I mean, you you either are or you're not, but be courageous and um, and and, you know, just un unleash your creativity because you can God, there's so many ways to do this and and you can you can reach out and you can reach anyone it's pretty amazing it's kind of like a superpower well when actually Stu, when when um uh alexandra watkins who who was a um uh, and she did an episode with us on on uh our branding and na naming uh, naming companies and products and stuff and i asked for her recommendation and she recommended you your first response to me was a cartoon and then that's how i learned that you are a wall street journal cartoonist how does that play into you because you were talking about creativity how does that play into your life well I, cartoons have been a big part of my of, of my uh, career and i want to you know before i like before i explain that um i, I also want to say you don't have to be a cartoonist to do this but but i happen to be a cartoonist and and it was Here's the thing: we take stock in what we do. Um, a, a good friend of mine, Kenny Madden, says that you know you do whatever it is that you can't not do. We all have something like that, something we can't stand not doing. We have to do it. We're just driven to do it. And and so in in my case, it's cartooning, and um, and I have this crazy background with using cartoons in marketing, um, and cartoon they're they're amazing devices for marketing because they um, they well in, in readership surveys done by magazines and newspapers, they were, they've been long shown to be the best read and remembered part of the publication. So people love them. They read them. And if you think about the nature of humor, um, humor is always about truth being revealed in a twist. It's why when we laugh at something, we're saying, oh my 
we're always like before we can catch our breath, we're saying, oh, my God, that's so true because mm -hmm. it reveals a truth. And so cartoons are this incredible device for not only grabbing someone's attention, but if you've done the cartoon well, and it's not easy to do them well, but if you've done the cartoon well that, and they're going, oh, that's hilarious, you've, you've already planted a point of agreement in their heads and you can step off in the copy or in whatever it is that you want to say um, related to that theme. It, it, it'll, it'll, it'll define a theme. And um, so the one that I sent you is about being on a podcast, about you being on a podcast. Yeah. And the one that one of the women was telling the other in the, in the cartoon, I once heard Sabir on a, on a podcast and it changed my life. You know what he said? He said, smile. And which could change someone's life. You know, the thing is, we, I related it to podcasts because you and I are doing this. I knew we were going to be doing this. And so it related to you, not, no, well, it does relate to me because I'm the cartoonist. That's sort of an unfair advantage. But otherwise, it was all about you, right? I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't writing it about me. Yeah. And, um, and so this device has been just incredible, not only for, let's say, direct response campaigns, but, but also for these, um, for these contact campaigns. And, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm describing this, and I don't know if I don't know if the people in the audience are actually picturing it in their heads. So, you know, here's the thing. I, I've sent cartoons to people. I mean, I've, I've reached presidents and prime ministers and, and celebrities and, and lots of C-level folks using cartoons. And, um, and you know, the thing that I the thing that I'm always shooting for, whether it's with a cartoon or something, some other form of contact marketing is I want the person on the on the receiving end of this to say, who is this guy, Stu? Who is this man? I love the way you think. So we have a we have a, a video that I would love to share, and I want to just set this up for a moment. When I send cartoons out to people, I'm never there to see what the reaction is. I know afterward what the reaction is; they'll tell me, but I'm never there to see it happen. And I sent um, I sent a con one of my contact devices, a cartoon piece, to Billy Jean. He's a he's a big marketing influencer on uh, Instagram. And I just I wanted to reach out to him because I, want, I wanted to connect with him and see if there's something we could do to to uh, to collaborate. So um, so I sent it out and his assistant got it. And we'll come back to assistance, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but his assistant saw it and she liked it so much. She said, you know what, I'm going to film the unboxing of this for for Bill. So that's what this video is. And watch what her reaction is. Yeah. Let me play this, uh, Stu. Yeah. Hang on. I usually wait till you get here, Bill, to show your packages, but this one's pretty cool and I'm too anxious to wait and show you. So here's the reveal. If I can get the cap off. Read how awesome this is. The tale of the hired gun. I ever tell you, fellas, the story of the Billy Kid? Yep, sure, dude. How about Wild Bill Jean? You mean the marketing whiz from San Diego? At least a hundred times before. Yep, you can say that again. <laughs> Look at the back. I'm kind of in love with this guy. Mad respect. All right, so. Phenomenal, um, phenomenal. You know, so he actually, just... what is that, snorted while laughing? <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was his assistant. Yeah. Think about this. You know, every time when we reach out to people, if we're reaching out to someone in the C-suite, we're talking to to executive assistants. 
and everybody calls them gatekeepers. And um, that's, well, they do do that, but that's not all they do. And so, you know, you've got to impress them as well. And you've got to get past them, past their, let's say past their, um, I don't know, their judgment of whether you should be talking to their boss. Here was his assistant opening that thing up and saying, I'm falling in love with this guy. That's the effect we want. And you don't have to deal with cartoons necessarily. Cartoons are a great device for it, but they're not at all the, the only thing that you can use. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you can use all kinds, there are all kinds of devices. And I, I, I don't mean to say that it's just physical devices, but to your point, I mean, technology can be used. There, there are all kinds of ways to do this. The only thing I would say is we don't want to use crowded channels so much, I think. I mean, we want to rely on crowded channels. I think a lot of the email, um, a lot of the, the uses of email to get through to, to, to accounts or to prospects is kind of misguided because I don't think it works all that well. It's a very crowded channel. So use other channels and ultimately just use what works. That's all. Just use what works. Actually, let, let's. Uh, it, it's the perfect time to talk about what contact marketing is not. So I'm going to set it up for you, and then and then you could actually clarify it, right? So t typically, in whether it's e-commerce or even content marketing, right? Uh, you you the, the whole mantra is build up your mailing list, email list, right? You collect it from your website, social media, and so on, and also social media have followers and build up your followers and stuff. And then you take your message and you blast it to everybody, right? Some some platforms like Clavio uh, and Mailchimp allows you to do personalization, which I think it's very early stages. I don't think it's like the personalization at the level I would like it. You know, it's just your name, maybe the products you bought. If it's a little bit intelligence, and some people call it AI, they would insert. They will insert. If you like this product, you're gonna like these products. You know, something like that. You know, uh, that that kind of stuff. That's what personalization, it's called personalization marketing. It's called e-commerce marketing, content marketing, uh, social media engagement. Those are the terms and phrases that are used. But contact marketing, and after reading the book, it makes a ton of sense. It's almost to me, and, and I'm going to give this to you so that you can explain it better. To me, for 25 years, it was like, have a megaphone and scream out your message, right? And even, even if you do audience segmentation on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, that's what every YouTube channel and every YouTube video and guru says, right? You could select your audiences on Facebook and on Google, you could select your keywords that you want to go after. So that's what people are used to for 25 years of e-commerce, right? And, and that's all the messaging, messaging they're getting. When you, when you go on and search for any of the phrases I just mentioned on YouTube, this is the type of videos that you would find. And also the gurus, marketing gurus, and everybody else, they will say the exact same thing. But after reading uh, uh, your book, even though, I mean, it's kind of a misnomer. The title says how to get a meeting with anyone. But I, I think it's, it's a phenomenal primer to, to um, uh, contact marketing, which is a phenomenal, that's a study on its own. You're just showing one application of it. So I'm gonna hand it off to you. And first, let's let's explain to the audience what contact marketing is not. Yeah, well, I think the big thing that it's not is it's not mass marketing. Um, so you, we're we're focused on. I know there there are um, all kinds of ways to do mass marketing and to 
to um, to match audiences and to I, you know and and before before e-commerce uh, the the world that I came up in was was direct response so it's a lot of sending stuff out and if you got a one percent response in a lot of cases that was a great that was a great victory but that meant that ninety nine percent didn't respond and that's not so good um, so it's not it, so it is not mass marketing um, it's micro focused on the on the people that we um, that we know have the opportunity or the, the ability to change our scale. I think that's what's, that's always the focus. So who are, let's say the top 100 people that you could reach out to who, if they became your clients or mentors or, or strategic partners would change everything about your scale. Because that's, I guess we can think of these as sniper shots as opposed to scattergun um, shooting. And so, um, so we want to pick off just the, one, the, the ones who will change our lives. And to do that, we've got to spend some money. We'll spend, we'll spend a lot more per effort on these efforts because we're only, you know, we're only going to put out 100, let's say, at that. It might be just one. So uh, and in, in my books, I'm saying just I want you to develop your top 100 list, but it doesn't have to be 100. It could be far less than that. So it's it's so again it's really it's not mass marketing it's very very micro focused marketing but here's the thing by doing that and by getting very very um, detailed in perhaps the research that you've done to reach out to these people um, and the preparation of what you've put together and perhaps probably all, well certainly the production value of what you've put together all of these things together um, means you're going to spend a lot per person or per per uh, per target. But because you're going out to relatively few, it's a very affordable form of marketing. It's probably the most affordable form of marketing I can imagine because it really doesn't cost much to do that or it doesn't have to. Um, but then we need to talk about response rates because, you know, we're, we're, I just mentioned 1% in, in direct, uh, direct mail or direct response. And in, in e-commerce and in, in digital marketing, we look at click-through rates and, and um uh, you know, various uh, various metrics that can be hundreds of a percent, thousands of a percent. Contact Most e-commerce sites, to your point, too, convert at less than one percent. Most of them, yeah. few of them, very few, uh, would convert between one and three percent. And three percent is kind of the magical number to for e-commerce sites to get to after they optimize everything. You know, unless they're in a super niche kind of a market. But most yeah. most e-commerce sites, three percent is like the holy grail. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm about to com commit marketing heresy, but I've been doing it for a while <laughs> in the books. But these campaigns have actually gone beyond a hundred percent. Wow. Some of these contact campaigns. So, um, and in fact, in in my second book, in in uh, this one, it's mirror behind, but the, but get the meeting. Um, actually, we are very fancy here on this show. Here. Oh yeah, we can show it. Is this the book? Yeah, that's yeah, the one. This is complementary to the other book, right? To the to the it first is. one I showed. Yeah, this one came after the first one. Came after how to get a meeting with anyone because I was hearing from people saying, "I wish I could see what the campaigns look like," you know, um, and so because I didn't have any photographs of of campaigns and, and how to get a meeting with anyone, and so I thought, okay, yeah. So I, I put together a, a series of um, of. Uh, case studies with photography wherever it was possible and uh, 
And so you get to walk through these campaigns and see what they look like. And, and they, they look pretty cool. I mean, they're, they're pretty amazing campaigns. Um, so, um, but I, I want to come back though to, to what, to what, what, what contact marketing is and what it isn't, because I was going to tell you about metrics because metrics are crazy in contact marketing. Um, and I mentioned also that, that we've seen response rates go above hundred percent, which means that you sent this campaign out and people thought so much of it. They were so excited about it that they shared it with other people. And some of those people responded as well. That's like, when does that ever happen in a market? It doesn't happen in a direct mail campaign and probably doesn't happen in any other form of campaign. And I'm sure that marketers in the audience are going, oh my God, uh-huh, come on. Like we were, we were always told that 100% response rates were impossible in indirect, indirect response. And they probably are there, but, um, but it is not terribly unusual to hear of a campaign that has pulled 100% response I don't want to. I don't want to set expectations that it pulls 100% response rate all the time because it doesn't. But if it goes from, let's say, if you're not getting through it, anyone, anyone, and now all of a sudden you're getting through to 10%, you're getting getting meetings. That's a big improvement. And if it goes all the way up to 100, um, as it has in in many cases, well, then that's just amazing. That's just that defies logic for for marketing. But in this form of marketing, it um, it works. And I, I'll also tell you that the record is. is and so far as I'm aware, the record for ROI on a, on a um, contact marketing campaign is 69,500,000% ROI. Wow. In other words, a $28 Facebook ad that produced a $20 million uh, <laughs> result. That's pretty by, amazing. By the way, you know, this is a good uh, banter between the two of us, right? Because the metric related to, um, for most cases, I'm talking about most uh, Facebook marketing and revenue generation. Um, most ad agencies, uh, if they're doing a great job, they do one for one. If you spend a dollar on ads, you're gonna get a dollar in revenue. That's basically it, right? In case of Google, you can get a, a multiple of it. So maybe a dollar spent, you get two and a half dollars uh, from that. But in most cases, um, uh, that's, that's the metric. To spend a dollar to get, I don't know, $25, like the way you're describing it, it is nearly impossible. In, 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 yeah. in this world, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you that 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 um, that campaign was came from a startup. They were trying to get a hold of the the the, um, the right buyer at Walmart, and so they used that that twenty eight dollar ad to to really prompt them. I mean, it was a pretty very targeted. <laughs> yeah, it was really. It was also very targeted. Yes, it only went to to Bentonville, Arkansas, the, the zip code of Bentonville, Arkansas, where the where their headquarters is, and they specified education and age age groups. They're, all they were they were trying to do is at least reach executives there. But what they wanted to do is reach the um, the dental products buyer at Walmart, and they did. And that dental products buyer gave them a, a, a 1.5 million dollar wow uh, incredible deal for like first phone call, and um, and and then they. Uh, and I, well, so the rest of it is that I asked, I, I interviewed the CEO, the former CEO. I said, well, look, okay, so you just spent a year as a startup and you generated a million dollars in sales online. That was, that was your source. And now all of a sudden you've, you've, now you've broken into the, not only did you get a, get a, a an order that was, uh, that was 150% of what you had done the, the previous year, but you're now, you're suddenly rolled out in the Walmart network of 6,800 stores 
worldwide. So what did that do to your valuation? So that was the rest of the $20 million result. Wow. Because he said that that, that order 10 X their, their value. So that's a big, that's a, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You want to reach the people who can change the scale of everything. And they did. And that's what happened. So one key thing I take away from that, and also I kind of highlighted this, I, I don't highlight books, uh, but I highlighted it in my mind, you know, the, the one thing you said in the book that was phenomenal, and I, I, I'm gonna—that's my takeaway, uh, and and you just reiterated it here. But I just want to make it very blunt for the audience so that they understand it. When when you have tools like Mailchimp and Klaviyo, it's great. They are great tools, right? Amazing tools. Shopify allows you to build up a store quickly. Uh, you know, uh, you know, with Klaviyo and and Mailchimp, you can email people quickly. But I think when you do things quickly, right, you're not putting your energy and you're not really thinking very strategically uh, and purposefully uh, and putting in a lot of energy into, let's say, not spending money, <laughs> you know? It's very easy, and I say this to my son also, you can take a wads of cash, throw it at anything, and you can make anything happen, right? And everything has a price, basically. You could buy it. You could buy a Mercedes, you could, everything has a price, right? Uh, and and if you're one of those marketers that you're, you're, if you're not thinking strategically about, I want to reach those key 500 people, right? And in most cases, most businesses could actually succeed with having 100 customers shop with them on a monthly basis and, and be part of their subscribe and save. And it would be a very profitable business because you acquire them the first time, they're going to keep on buying from you, right? But if they don't think strategically, and they think, oh, I'm going to load it up into MailChimp. Boom, I'm going to send the email out. So what you're doing, you're, you're emailing 17 times a week, your mailing list. People are considering you're a spammer because you're really not thinking through key people, the 1,000 people or 100 people that you should be really putting a lot of energy into to think about how I want to reach out to them. Really think about how you want to approach them right? really thoughtfully, right? A lot yeah, of marketers yeah. nowadays, they don't do that. They, they go like, uh, you know, spray and pray. Like one of my friends from the South says, she says that spray and pray. I'm from New York. So th that was a novelty for me when I, when I heard that. But it makes a lot of sense. A, a, a lot of marketers do that. It's, it's a spray and pray mentality. But what you're offering, right, is focus on that one person. Like the list is 100 yeah. VIPs that you're going to go after. Don't even reach out to all of them one at a time one yeah. at a time be yeah, very probably. thoughtful and and that's where you're going to get your response rate at, at ridiculous levels above three <laughs> percent that yeah, you would do with any kind of digital marketing or social marketing yeah i would say thoughtful and audacious um and and uh yeah i mean do do those two things and you're going to see completely different results by the way i just want to make sure that we that we're pretty clear that i'm really talking about i think most of what contact marketing um where I mean, where it applies best is in in business to business uh, selling, as opposed to to B two C. Because well, B two C, you just you just have to reach a lot of people, and that's just not what this is. So we're really talking about B two B sales. And if you get the right customers, the right strategic partners, etc., then your everything changes. That's that's what it's all about. Makes sense, actually. So let let me set this up for you now. I tried that. I'm, I'm running a dental laboratory parts business, right? You, you mentioned that as, as for your Arkansas example with Walmart, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm running it. I created the list. 
I'm, I'm doing it. It's not working. Now, there's there's something, an analogy or a real story that you uh, told in, in the book, and I would like you to share it, uh, about sailing in fog. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking, which one did I? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, you By know the way, I, I read your book cover to cover, every single page. Yeah, which and I wrote it about six years ago, which means you're much more familiar with it than I am. <laughs> it's fresh. But, <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, as a kid, we used to sail. We used to have a boat in Westport, Massachusetts. Beautiful place, gorgeous, and and it was the it was sort of a, this gateway to all these islands. That's why I live on an island now, actually. But but it's this gateway to all these islands. So there's Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. But wow. but before you reach those, there was this whole string of un, mostly one uninhabited islands called the the Elizabeth Islands and. So it was just a beautiful place, and we we would go down there a lot to to go sail. Like every weekend, we would come come down to, to sail. Well, we went down one one weekend, and and it was all fogged in the harbor. Of the, it was actually a river, so the river was all fogged in, and um, and we belonged to a yacht club. My, my parents belonged to a yacht club, so we uh, we went in. And we you know you're getting ready, and and uh, you got to get all the stuff together and bring it out. The boat's on a mooring, not on not on a slip, so we got to get everything together, and then we're going to bring it out of the dinghy, or you can bring the boat in. And so in all that during all that prep, all these members were coming up to my dad. They're saying, "You're not going to go out in there, are you? I mean, you're not going to go out in that." He said, "Yeah, of course we are." So. Really? There's something more would come. You're not going to go out in that. No, yeah, of course we're going to go out there. So we went out. And um, as soon as we, this is pretty amazing, because as soon as we, you know, we're heading out and it's foggy. As soon as we cleared the breakwater, it, it was no fog. Well, I mean, the, all the fog was back behind us now. The fog was over all those people only. <laughs> That's where they, they were stuck in the I, they were sort of mentally stuck in the fog, but as soon as we got past the breakwater, it was just beautiful, sunny skies. It was a gorgeous day for sailing. But, and I, w I would say that we had it all to ourselves. I don't know that we did, but it seemed we had more of it to ourselves, I suppose. Um, and it's not like this is so crowded, but uh, that you can't sail. So we would just, we just had this beautiful day. Now we wouldn't have had it if we had said, mm, "Man, you know, it's foggy." Hunker we down. <laughs> we can't. So when we came back in. Um, we, the fog still had lifted. It was just starting to lift. We had, we'd sailed all day. <laughs> we came back in and, and there they were, they, they'd come out as far as, you know, there's a beach along the river and they, they near the, right near the breakwater. They would have realized, they should have realized that well, if you go, you know, 200 feet further, you'd be out of the fog, but they didn't, they didn't see it. And so what a great, great object lesson in life that, you know, don't take no for an answer. And don't, you know, there's so many, so many offshoots from this, but certainly don't, you know, when everyone else says something's impossible, that should be your invitation to do it, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Like you should never see, you should never see a model in a magazine and then go meet her and, yeah. and marry her. Like, who's going to do that? That doesn't work. <laughs> but of course it, it doesn't did. work for everyone, but it works for one person <laughs> well, for you. I don't know because who else is doing it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe everyone else is stuck in the fog. Yeah, I mean, two just, books. I mean, two things I want. I want to say to that. One, I, I think the concept of like hunkering down because the, the world is collapsing. In in your case, uh, it was a fog, right? There, there's a book called uh, uh, Three Feet from Gold." Uh, I don't know if you've read it. It's it's based on the principles of Napoleon Hill, uh, a phenomenal business writer uh, about 
about millionaires and stuff like that. So I highly recommend reading that book, uh, Three Feet from Gold. Three Feet from Gold sounds great. I've never heard of it. it it's it like literally how many people stop. They're digging for gold, but they stop at the three feet mark because they think that there is no gold here anymore, you know, yeah. or there is yeah. nothing there. Everybody lied or whatever. So that's one. The second lesson I've learned in life is uh, what Warren Buffett says. Uh, Warren Buffett says, um, he talks about the markets, but I, I've taken it as a life lesson. He says that when people are running away from the market, meaning that 2008 crash, everybody is running away and taking away and hunkering down. That's the time for you to buy because the market is on a discount, you know, because yeah, everybody yeah. else left. All the yeah. stocks are at 40% off. You would make a big deal out of a Black Friday sale, right? And go and give your money to retailers, right? During Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and so on. But when the market is on 40% off, 30% off, you think that the world is melting. It doesn't make sense to me. And and the opposite is true also, what he, what he says. He goes like, when everybody is running towards it, for example, mass marketing, right? Everybody is spamming everybody oh, through using email marketing and stuff like that, or social media, they're spamming people and DMing them for no reason, right? Then run away from that. <laughs> Do something different because you're not going to succeed, you know? There's a reason There's a reason why they say buy low, sell high. It sounds so simple. Yeah. But in reality, it's exactly what you just described. You know, buying low means... Buying at a time when no one thinks it should, you should do it. Like you're going to throw your money away, but that's, but obviously that's the best time to buy and then sell high. I, you know, it's like, are you People will say, are you crazy? Look at what the market's doing. It's just going crazy. It's going up and up and up. Well, yeah. it doesn't do that for long. Well, it doesn't yeah. do it forever. So yeah, buy low and sell high seems so simple, but it's not simple in practice. Yeah. All right. So let's say yeah. I, I created my list. I have my 100 VIPs and I, I built up my courage also because we a bunch of us are introverts versus extroverts, but we pick up the phone or email or whatever we do, we contact, right? The first gatekeeper, the person that actually picks up that call or picks up that email, let's say it's not an automated system, it's a human being. Lisa picks up and goes like, how can I help you? Thank you for calling ABC company. What do I do? Well, if it's the reception, receptionists are very different from executive assistants. So if you're talking to a receptionist, um, I think you want to be just really, as matter of fact as possible, just give the person, I'm calling for so-and-so. And if they ask who you are, tell them who you are. And if they finally ask, why do you want to call? Why are you calling? Um, then you'll have to explain a little bit more, but basically, um, um, I, I, it depends on why you're calling, but if you, but you know, you'll, you'll give a, as brief an, an answer as possible because you really want to get that person only has the, um, you don't want to be speaking with and, and trying to convince someone who only has the, the power to say no, essentially. So you want to get past the, you want to get past the receptionist very quickly, I think, but the executive assistant is a totally different person. Think about it. If you if you're reaching out to the CEO of a company and you're talking to um, to their their executive assistant, you're talking to one of the most really one of the sharpest people in the company. Totally you know? agree. They really are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know we've all been through this. You can. They're really amazing people, and they're 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 very. Um, uh, I don't know. They they, um, they wouldn't say that they wouldn't agree that they have a lot of power, but they do. They've got so much power. Um, 
because they report directly to the CEO. Well, what do the rest of the C-suite do? They direct, they report directly to the CEO. Who else reports directly to the CEO? No one. They're part of the C-suite, actually. So I, in the book, I call them uh, either VPs of um, of access or or talent scouts. Because the thing is, if you just look at them as as gatekeepers, then you have you really over not only do you, well, not only have you oversimplified, but you've missed what their what their actual function is, which is to they're working with their with their executive and they they need to bring things to their executive that they might otherwise miss as well. So some people that are just calling in and you know they know that they're that they're just going to take their executive's time up, they won't let them through. Um, but there are others who you you say a few words and they'll say, oh my God, you know what? My boss needs to hear this. I'm going okay. So can you send some information or, or tell me tell me a little bit more? Can you send me an email so that I can I'll I'll bring it to my boss, but we may give you a referral to someone else. That's okay. If you're talking to the to the CEO's office and you get and the CEO says to anybody in the in the organization, I want you to talk to this person, that's great. You're you're on your way. That's fantastic. So so the, the I think the key with this is with them is to have a, a VIP statement. So 12 words or less, something you're going to say that has not only them, but also their, their executive saying, well, how would you, that's amazing. How would you do that? Or, you know, some other form of what really? And mine is, um, you know, I usually send back to cartoons, but that's what I do. So I often send cartoons to people in the form of a big board. You saw one um, in, in the video. I actually, I have one of these, here, right next to me. So I send these guys. So that's 18 by 24 inches. They're pretty big. Wow. You know, they're, they're, they're quite big. Um, and um, they, uh, well, and so before I send it though, I want to talk to the executive assistant because I, it's really important actually. It's part of the process that, that I have with these things. So I call up or if someone else for my clients, I mean, I use those big boards a lot for clients too. So, um, but, but the, um, the uh, preamble here is, or the VIP statement is, "Hi, my name is so and so." Let's say I'm. Let's say I'm doing it. Hi, my name is Stu Heineck. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, and I'm calling. This is all, it's going over a dozen words. Sorry, but anyway, I'm calling because I'm sending a print of one of my cartoons, and it's about your boss. And I'll wait because they usually will say, "What? Really? That's amazing." <laughs> Is or, my boss so, that important? <laughs> yeah. How did, how did that, how did that yeah. happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, and credibility. You said Wall Wall Street cartoonist. So that builds yeah. credibility to start with, and then yeah. a Wall Street cartoonist is interested in my boss. You yeah, know, that's and a big right, deal. It, yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm speaking to one of the cartoonists. You never speak to cartoonists. Yeah. So, so okay, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And and so um, you know that so the conversation. So let's say if it's one of my clients and. And they're one of one of the sales team members, and they're using big boards as their contact device. Then they'll they'll call ahead, or maybe an SDR will, you know, but something along those lines. They'll call ahead and they'll say, "Hi, my name is so and so, and I'm calling because I'm sending a print of a cartoon by one of the Wall Street Journal or New Yorker cartoonists, and, uh, and it's about your boss." So they get the same reaction. What really? <laughs> yeah. So um, well, if you wouldn't mind. Um, you know, I'd like to, I, I want it to be a, a surprise to your boss, but I don't want it to be a surprise to you. So would you mind if I send you an email and I'll just send you all these details again, just what I just explained. And I will, um, uh, you know, I'll, 
Anyway, I'll send you an email. Yeah, usually it's yes, please, because that's helpful. So they'll spell their name for you. They'll give you their email address. And um, and then you send them an email. Hey, thank you so much for your help on the phone. And um, and that was, you know, that was great help. And um, um, this is what I'm doing. And, and um, here's my contact information, et cetera. And then when when the um, when, when you know, these things are being produced as this happens. So when you have the, the FedEx tracking number, you get back in touch with them again. I usually tell them, I usually tell my clients, send a card to the to the assistants. We've got ways of doing that, but send them a card, you know, maybe something like this guy. So here's that same cartoon now as a five by seven card and a little note on the back. Send that to them and thank them for helping. And that will end up on their bulletin board or if they're in a cubicle, wherever they are, it'll end up on the wall or somewhere. And so... Um, so by the time the big board arrives, you've had about you've had four touch points with the executive assistant, and by then they are quarterbacking the campaign for you. So executive assistants, I'm just going to say this: they they really should be part of your campaign. They are not. Don't call them gatekeepers anymore because they, although they do keep the the gate, they let a lot of people in. So be one of those people that they let in, and um, and and en enlist them in your campaign because they're really they're just amazing. I mean, in your in your example, the strategy you use is the cartoon, but then I, I read about Donny Deutsch. That was not one cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> you, you want to share that story? Yeah, Donny wanted. Donny uh, was he was well. Donny Deutsch. We have to probably have to set him up. So he's he's one of the. I'm not the founder. I guess he's the son of the founder of Deutsch. Um, and I don't remember now that the, 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 he had the a show on, on CNBC also a while ago. Yeah, he did. And, That's right. And I was yeah. a, I was a huge fan of it. I loved that show. You know. But so before that though, it, it was Deutsch and Partners, I think, or, no. or Deutsch Advertising. Anyway, uh, big advertising agency, Madison Madison uh, Avenue agency, and so he wanted to get he wanted to get the Tri-State Pontiac Dealers Association as a client, and um, and so to do that, he um, he found. The, found the president's, you know, got the president's name and address. And he sent a car part every 20 minutes, set it up so that every 20 minutes, <laughs> something would be delivered to his store. It might be a headlight first. And it, with a note from Donnie saying, oh, we'll, we'll, if you hire us as your agency, we'll light the way. And then the next, uh, next thing that happens is a bumper comes <laughs> gets delivered. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll clear the way for you. And then maybe a windshield, so all these car parts. I mean, if, they, if, they, if the president waited long enough, he could have put a car together. Wow. <laughs> and and so in fact you know i kind of wore him down he's saying okay all right look at yes you got it and so he got the account that way so i don't know what i'm not sure how many car parts he delivered but there again you know whatever he spent maybe he spent a couple thousand he didn't but let's say he spent a couple thousand dollars on on car parts and delivery to get a multi-million dollar deal 12 million dollar contract or something yeah, yeah. i mean that's <laughs> that's worth doing yep yeah, exactly. Um, now, um, when it comes to different tools, and I was reading, I read about that that section of it too. Uh, you you recommend certain tools uh, in in the book, right? Because uh, most people, what they do is, um, if, if you watch any of the social media gurus, right, they tell you get in the DM, DM them, talk to them, right? That's I, I think it's a very simplistic uh, recommendation. And nowadays, a lot of people follow that recommendation, so it, it has become a spam channel now, right? Uh, but there are other tools yeah. that I, actually I read some of them and I didn't recognize them. I didn't know about them uh, before. Uh, 
let's go with something less popular platform right now. Compar comparatively speaking, LinkedIn is less popular than than Instagram or Facebook. Obviously, you know, um, how would you utilize LinkedIn to do your research? Because we're not we're not messaging them through LinkedIn. We're just doing our research. So how do you utilize a platform? I'm just I'm just okay. saying LinkedIn as an example. You could use any platform as an example that you like. Uh, how do we go about like from a practical advice standpoint? How do we use that? And and by tools, do you mean tools to contact someone or? No, no. Because the thing is, we're creating our our uh, top 100 VIP list. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So LinkedIn is a LinkedIn is a great source. And I think what you're really talking about is doing profile scrapes to do uh, to use deep personalization. So um, yeah, I mean, so so uh, um, LinkedIn and LinkedIn Navigate. So I mean, cruising someone's um, someone's profile is you're going to get some information. You're going to find out where they graduated, usually where they went to school, and what they do, and where they where they worked most recently. Um, you can pull down their, uh, you can grab their their uh, their profile picture and do some really interesting, run some interesting filters on that. They can turn it into a Wall Street Journal style um, engraved portrait of them. Maybe that might come in handy in, in some of your contact tools. You can grab that. Um, but you really, I think then you really want to be looking at what are they talking about. So if they're if they're posting, great. Check out their posts. Go to their websites because if um, if they're part of the part of the the, the founding or managing team, then um, there probably is a, a bio. There's there's a, a, a news or media section in their in their um, websites. So look for those. You can use um, I'm like you know this is kind of an old one now, but um, Google Alerts are kind of a kind of a cool way to you just you know put set up a Google Alert on their name so that anytime anytime they're, they're talking in the news, that's a great piece of information whatever they just said in in a in the news is great for uh, for, re, for great information for reaching out because what you're looking for are things that you can use so that you can create a very very personalized a very personal approach to them and when you do that um, you can see some really really spectacular results lots of stories about that I don't know if you want me to go into any of those but oh, I would love to yeah yeah well let's use um, one or two examples. Um, you know, yeah, well, so, you know, one of them is, I, I was, so when, when, when How to Get a Meeting with Anyone came out, um, about a year later, I heard from, um, from Dom, and Dom said, you know, I, I bought your book, You're, I just want to tell you what happened because, as a result of buying your book and reading it, so he said um, that, you know, a year ago, I was, I was still, I was just, just about to graduate college, and, uh, and I was being recruited by this late stage, very large startup, Silicon Valley startup, to become an SDR. So he was really excited about that. It's great, fantastic. Well, then he ended up, you know, in this, I imagine this room full of people, other SDRs, and they were all required to make 100 phone calls a day, just cold phone calls. And, the, and he was getting pretty frustrated with it because nothing was happening, not only for him, but for everyone in the department. It was just, it was rare to get even one uh, one conversation happening in a day, and so he was pretty frustrated about it. And we went out went out to dinner one one night with a with a friend, and he was telling him about it. And the friend said, "You got to buy this book." That was my book. I don't know who the friend was. I've got to thank him. But <laughs> anyway, you got to buy this book. So what he what he latched on to the thing that he and there's all kinds of ways of breaking through. So the one that that he really really uh, latched onto was 
I want to I want to produce really super hyper personalized gifts and use that to break through to the people I want to reach. So he decided, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, of course, I'm going to continue doing those hundred phone calls a day, but I'm also going to grab, I'm going to just, I'm going to look through some of these people that were calling and take a little bit of time to find out who they are and what might resonate with them. And so the first one that he chose um, was someone that no one had been able, no one from the, from his department but had been able to break through to. And, and, uh, and so he, discovered that the, that the fellow was really, really interested in family and cooking, right? Yeah, family cooking and, um, and technology. So he took two out of three and had, an, had a barbecue apron um, embroidered with a Stanley C. Clark uh, quote, which is something to the effect, I'll probably never get this right, but something to the effect that, that technology sufficiently advanced will appear as magic. I think I got, I think it's about right. So he had that embroidered on the, on the, the apron, sent it to him. And the guy got in touch immediately said, that's really, that's so cool. Thank you. You're the guy who sent this, right? Yeah. That's so cool. Would you, uh, thank you so much. I don't know where you came up with this, but thank you. And they, so conversation ensued and a six figure deal ensued. So his cohorts now are saying, well, what the heck did you just do? What is that? What are you doing? Cause it's, they're noticing he's getting through to others as well. What are you doing? And so, um, and, and would you teach us? Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Profile scrapes and deep personalization. And um, okay, would you help us? Yeah, so for the first colleague he helped uh, said, okay, here's, a, here's another guy. Nobody's been able to reach this guy. Let's, let's try it on him. So they did a little bit of research on him and they found that, that he was really interested in falconry. So that's a pretty unique uh, <laughs> marker, right? So, so they w went to a falconry site and they talked to the owner and they said, look, we, we want to get this a gift for this, um, this account. And we, we don't know anything about falconry, but what should we get? And the guy said, here, get a falconry glove. So, you know, they, they, Oh yeah, you hold it. Yeah. They hold the bird on this glove. It's just, it's, fortunately they only have to get one. So yeah. half off, but, um, but so this beautiful ornate glove cost about a hundred dollars. And they downloaded the picture of the of the glove and sent. So of course they ordered it and had it to be shipped directly to the to the uh, uh, to the account to the, to the prospect. And then uh, they sent an email, or Dom had his colleague send an email to this guy with a picture, the picture from the website of the glove that he just bought for him, just had sent to him. Well. Um, the, the guy called right back and he said, oh, or somehow probably responded by email, but he responded right away and he said, hey, oh my God, thank you. That's really cool. I don't know how you even knew I was into Falkyrie, but that's really cool. Um, but listen, I'm not a prospect for what you guys do. So I, I really appreciate it. Thanks anyway. And then the, then the glove arrived a couple of days later, guys right back to him and he said, oh my God, I got the glove. This thing's so cool. Well, remember I told you I'm not a prospect? Well, I'm not, but you know, I know of three other CIOs who are, and I'm going to wow. make introductions. And so more six-figure deals ensued. And pretty soon management is saying, what are you guys doing down there? What is, what's going, what just changed? And they all pointed to Dom and said, Dom's the guy who did this. And Dom, they, they explained what they're doing. And so Dom was promoted within that first year to sales manager of the company. And then it was acquired by Cisco. So in the span of a year, contact marketing changed Dom's life. He went from a new hire SDR to sales manager of a multinational $4.7 billion company. Wow. Just because he's reaching out to the right people that have the power to change everything.
And that's what was happening. So one of the things in, in that example where you said, um, the person said, oh, I'm not the prospect. So two things I, I take away from that. One, uh, if you have done your homework, even if the person is not your prospect, but you have treated them right, you know, like a human being, right? You, you did all the right things by them. Believe me, it always comes and pays you back. One way or another, it pays you back. Don't have any expectation, but I, I think it does. You know, just, that's just yeah. my personal experience in life, you know, that, that it does. But in that scenario also, like, let's say if that person, you had done your homework and you know that they are definitely the prospect, but for some reason they're saying no, for whatever reason, it could be budget, it could be uh, they gave the job to their nephew or cousin or somebody else who, who runs a com competitive uh, consulting company to yours or something like that, right? It could be a, a thousand different reasons. Uh, how do you handle, um, I, I think you use the term uh, negative method. I don't know, it's called negative method or something like that in the book where, where you, you insert the competitor's name. <laughs> well, oh, I actually, I, I think I, my thinking has changed on it a little bit since writing the book. Um, so there are a couple of things. One is, you heard me say at the very top of our of our conversation that what you really want to do with contact with your contact marketing, whatever it is you do through contact marketing, you really want the person on the other side of this saying, "Man, I love the way this look. What the, I love the way this person thinks. I love the way you think." So um, you saw that happening with the with the video with with Billy's assistant. She loves the way I think. I'm pretty sure. She was getting excited. I actually she was, heard yeah. the, she was laughing friend. and snorting. <laughs> you made her snort. <laughs> right. so, so if you've done that, then you have made an impression that will last and last and last. But, you know, we haven't really talked much about weeds because we're going to talk about that later. We'll talk. By, about by the way, uh, so, Stu, uh, I think uh, uh, what I would love to invite you, because I'm, I'm getting a lot of chat messages about this. Oh, yeah, we got it. They, yeah, they, they are asking me to bring you back on uh, again. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so what I would love, what I would like to do, this is a live show. I would love to, I'm putting my heart and soul and everything on the line here. I'd like to invite you again for the second episode, which I have not done with any guest yet, you know. Uh, wow. when, when the book is coming out, maybe a couple of weeks in advance of that, let's do an episode on because I want, I want to take a deep dive because when I read this book uh, on contact marketing, um, it was a phenomenal book and I wanted to dedicate the entire uh, show to just uh, contact marketing and uh, yeah. you know, to bring this to, to, to my audience. But um, I, I think your book comes out what, when, in May or June? Comes in, out May. in May. It May. comes out in May, yeah. So let's do the, 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 the weeds episode. We'll do, we'll do it in April or May just before the book comes out. Yeah, well, that's perfect. Okay. I was just going to say that Weed, weed strategy is starting to creep into contact marketing now. And so, um, and so one of the other, so as I just mentioned, if you, if you've created that impression that people are just saying, Oh my God, I love the way this person, th like, I love the way Sabir thinks we've got to do something with them. So even if they didn't do something with you right away, they will, I think they'll come back. But another, another point of this is if we introduce a little bit of weed strategy, weeds spread seeds all over the place. That's how they propagate and how they conquer new territory. And so we're, we're looking at, at I, teach a, I teach a course and, um, and then we have these group coaching sessions. And so in these sessions right now, we're, we're exploring how do we cause the impetus for a sale to spread like a weed throughout the organization? So we've made contact. What do we do next to have it spread everywhere? 
to spread like a weed. And so uh, I think if you do those two things, then you you have not just made a contact, but you'll, you will have made probably a referral source, you know, or, or they'll come back. Somehow it'll come back to you. Definitely. So what I would like to do, the thing is, that, uh, again, to everyone who's watching this, this is worth the investment. Get this. Uh, I would also say that to go with this, right, both of these things, you know, both of the books, you know, they're both available on Amazon. And also the way I like consuming books is through audio, Audible. So Audible, I would highly recommend uh, getting the Audible version of it. I like the printed book in this case because the charts and the tables and the grids, especially the flow diagram that you show in the context strategy and stuff like that, it, it's phenomenal. I would highly recommend uh, for everybody to kind of get both, both of the books. And most importantly, not just read the book because it sounds great. I want you to implement it. I want you to implement it and then ask questions wherever you're consuming uh, this content. Ask the questions there. And, and I do hover around a lot of these videos and then I'll, I'll try to answer them or I'll tag you, Stu, so that you can jump in and, and help with that. But uh, Stu, uh, phenomenal meeting. You know, I, I would say phenomenal interview, phenomenal episode uh, and, and amazing content. What is your number one $100,000 expert insight into contact marketing? How much time do I have? <laughs> uh, let's make it quick. <laughs> quick. Yeah. Be audacious. I, you know, um, in all of these, in all of these cases, we're not. I, I, you know, I didn't. You can get a hold of people. I've gotten a hold of people with with email, but but you notice really, I wasn't even using much. I can use email really well with cartoons and so forth. It, it's not that I don't like it. I don't like the crowded channels, any of them. Um, but but be audacious. And what you've seen are examples of being audacious. And if I could share one quick example. Yes, please. That's okay. Yeah. I have here, this is Dan Waldschmidt's sword, sword campaign. So oh, wow. <laughs> Dan this is a first on This Week with Sabir. You're seeing a sword. sword. <laughs> now, so Dan is a turnaround, he's a, he's a sales blogger, but he's also a turnaround specialist. And so he's reaching out to CEOs of companies that are in trouble, and and um, and he spends a thousand dollars on those sort. When he sends them out, sends them out this beautiful wooden box and a handwritten note, and so forth. But by the time he's done, he's spent a thousand dollars to reach out to this to each CEO, and he's getting a hundred percent response rate to that campaign. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, if somebody sends me a sword, they'll get my attention. <laughs> you audacious. Since, you know, that's a great audience. Whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be sending stuff, but whatever it is you're doing, be audacious. Don't be afraid to be audacious. I think that's it. I think that's that would be my message. Amazing. Uh Stu, thank you for being on this week with Severe. And thank you to the uh, live audience for uh sharing your thoughts as we were going through this live recording. And if you're consuming this afterwards, uh months, years, or weeks from now. Uh, you know, uh, we, we still feel the love uh, and thank you very much. And uh, Stu, thank you for being here. And uh, again, we, uh, we will see you in April, April or May of 2022 when the new book comes out. And I look forward to reading it and definitely uh, discussing it just like this uh, and, and uh, in a lot more detail. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. What a what a blast. It's been a, been a pleasure. It's gone by so fast. So thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone.